Well, I want to welcome everyone at all of our locations to week two of our series, Jesus Is, and I'm going to be honest with you. I am fired up to be here today. I hope you are too, because we're going to dig into some awesome things today. And last week, Pastor Carter kicked off this series by showing us the reality that Jesus is historical. And I hope that really blessed you. Today, we are going to dig into the reality that Jesus is influential. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, you might hear that and you might think, well, duh, I already know that. But I want to challenge each and every one of you that you have underestimated the influence Jesus has had, not just on your life, but on the world around you. And today, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to tell you Jesus has influenced your life in more ways than you can imagine. And we're going to dig into that today. But as we get started, I want to talk about this whole idea of influence. And so for everyone in all of our campuses, I want you to think about the most influential person that you can think of in your life. Someone who has really shaped your life, someone who has had such a powerful impact that their influence, maybe you don't even know that you live this out every single day. When I think about this reality, I think of my dad. And one of the ways that he has influenced my life was something that started when I was way little, and I watched him do this day in, day out. You see, I, lived, I grew up on a family farm, and so I watched him work hard every day. And here is what every day looks like for my dad. He wakes up, he puts his boots on, and he works hard. Okay? Doesn't matter the situation. It doesn't matter if he stayed out late till like 12 in the morning. He wasn't out there and he was working. He would do the same thing the next day. He would get up, put his boots on, and work hard. It doesn't matter if things were bad, like crop prices are low, we're losing money, which is what farming's like most of the time. He would do the same thing. If things were going well, he would do the same thing. And the reality is for me, that influenced me. I watched him live this out. He told me this, and so even today, guess what I did? I got up, I put my boots on, right? And I'm working hard. So what I do, I don't even know I do this every day. But I was so influenced by what he brought to my life in that way, I just, I get up and I do this. Now I know for each and every one of you, you can think of someone that there's something like that that they have influenced, they have shaped, they have molded your life. Influence is so powerful. Now, as we think about influence and we think about our culture beyond like our personal relationships, a lot of times we think about influence in the way of we get our names on things. So people who have big influence in our culture, they have their names on buildings and they're honored in that way. And so I have a six-year-old daughter, Brianna, And she thinks this is how you have influence as well. Because when I came home from work one day, I walk up to my bedroom door and I see this. She carved her name in the door. Now parents, how many of you have had your children write, right? You've written or carved something in your wall, they've decorated. And so I was hopping mad when I saw this, honestly. I was hopping mad. And so I tracked her down, and I said, why did you write your name in the door? And she said, 
I wanted everyone to see that I could spell my name. (laughs) You see, influence, she wanted to see. She wanted us to see her name and the influence. The reality is that's the truth for a lot of us. But you know, there's names we walk under that are on buildings that I bet you really don't think of the why most of the time. And I wonder if that's true for this place here in our community. So this is Via Christi St. Francis Hospital. Now, why does it say Via Christi? I asked my son last night, and he thought it was because this hospital is named after somebody named Christy. Now, if you think that, you're somewhat right. Via Christi means by the way of Christ. And so today, what we all need to wrestle with is a Jewish carpenter turned rabbi, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ, 2,000 years later has his name on a building in our community. Now, you might be thinking, well, it's, it's because the Catholic Church started this hospital. We all know that, right? But there's a deeper meaning why. And it's all over our community. Let's go look at the other hospital that's in our community. Wesley Medical Center. Now, you might be thinking it was probably named after someone named Wesley, and you would be right. This hospital is named after John Wesley, who was a follower of Jesus and started the movement that is the United Methodist Church. Now, we all need to think about this. Why do Christians start hospitals. It seems like a really hard thing to do to me, to start a hospital. But you know, throughout the centuries and all over the world, this has been seen and done. In 385 AD, in a place called Caesarea, in modern-day Turkey, was the first Christian hospital. And it was a hospital unlike any other hospital, because most of the time, healthcare in the ancient world was reserved for soldiers. You might ask, why is that? That's because soldiers in the ancient world were tanks, and they needed to get the soldiers back out on the battlefield to fight wars. But if you were just a regular person, you, had, you were on your own, really. And so Christians began to believe something different. They believed that everyone should be cared and helped, especially when they were sick and they couldn't help themselves. And the reason that they believed this was because of Jesus' words. We read this in Matthew 25, 36. Jesus said, I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. He then goes on to say this that's even a little perplexing. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And so this is like influential words that pushed Christians who started hospitals, who took care of the poor, they really understood something different than no one else had understood. And that is this, that when they cared for the poor and the sick who couldn't care for themselves, that they were actually caring for Jesus himself. And so it pushed them to do some amazing crazy things that has shaped our world. And every time you walk into a hospital, 
You should thank God because Jesus' influence made that happen. Now, Jesus' influence doesn't stop with health care. You know, the highest levels of education in the world were influenced by Jesus. Names like Harvard, Yale, and Princeton. These places, you know, we think of as Ivy League schools. We think of them as elite. And even sometimes when we throw out these names, we think not Christian, right? Because Christians are not for science and not for education. Like, I actually saw a CNN article that talked about that. But that is a lie. Because believers throughout the centuries, followers of Jesus, have started these institutions. Harvard, Yale, and Princeton were all started back in the 16 and 1700s And what the goal was, was to train clergy and to train leaders for the new world. And so they thought this was a great undertaking. How many of you think starting a university might be kind of hard? I think it's hard. And so here's Christians doing something else that is really difficult. So why? People could have done this throughout the centuries, but why now? And why did Christ's followers do this? Well, the reason lies in Jesus' words that he inspires them with. And it's found in John 8, 31. And Jesus said this, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, followers of Jesus have been attracted to the truth and discovering truth, and learning truth, because it's what Jesus told us to do. And so they believed that as they taught people how to read, that what would happen is they would read God's truth in the Bible. They also believed that as we learn more about the world that surrounded us, that it's unlocking God's truth. And so this is why they started these universities. And so Jesus' influence in our modern culture, think about all the innovations all the things that have come out of our universities. You know, if you want to dig into these ideas of how is Jesus influential a little deeper, you can actually check out a book. It's by John Ortberg, and it's called Who Is This Man? And it is full of these. We have only skimmed the surface on Jesus' influence. But a Yale historian wrote these words, and this is something I want us to pay attention to because this is a Yale historian that wrote this. And he said this about Jesus. Regardless of what anyone may personally think or believe about him, Jesus of Nazareth has been the dominant figure in history of the Western culture for almost 20 centuries. If it were possible with some sort of supermagnet to pull up out of that history every scrap of metal bearing at least a trace of his name, how much would be left? And so today, if you're a follower of Jesus, he has influenced more than just you personally. The world around us has been shaped by the influence of Jesus. And if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, it's true for you as well. And so a great question for us today is why? And so to try to answer that question a little more deeply, I want to dig into one of the instances where Jesus had a conversation with his disciples that I truly believe was like the stake in the ground to the influence that Jesus would put over the whole 
world. And so to set that up, I want to just give you a little perspective on where the disciples and Jesus found themselves. You know, they'd done ministry for a long time together. They'd seen Jesus do miraculous things. And then Jesus began to tell them that he would suffer and die at the hands of the religious leaders. And then three days later, he would rise from the dead. And so this disturbed his disciples. Like they weren't a fan of this plan. And so Peter pulled Jesus aside and actually rebuked Jesus and said, never speak of this again. And so Jesus responded in Jesus' way. He said, get behind me, Satan, for you're a stumbling block. And I'm guessing Peter shut his mouth at that point. But Jesus wasn't done talking. And he teaches them something that really is the foundation of why believers throughout the centuries have done some incredibly hard things. We find this in Matthew 16, 24 through 25. And you can open your Pathway Church app and you can find it there or you can flip in your Bible or your smartphone. And we're going to dig into really the core of what these verses show us about the influence of Jesus. It says there, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Now, I got to tell you that when we read this, especially when we think about what's going to happen, what we're going to celebrate over the next week with Good Friday and Easter these verses like kind of mean something to us, don't they? Because when we hear the word cross, we think of sacrifice. That is not what the disciples thought. Today, what I want you to do is put yourself in the seat of one of the disciples that day. Because the crucifixion and resurrection hasn't happened. And so Jesus kind of just kicks this off. If you want to be my disciple... You have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. The truth is, is for his disciples, that was Looney Tune crazy talk. It really was. It's like saying to you or I, what I want you to do is take up your electric chair and follow me. Because the cross was not a good symbol, it was associated with execution and a criminal's execution. And so as Jesus said those words, they had to just think he was crazy. And sometimes we miss that. They didn't understand what he was saying in that moment. But I want you to think about what they saw over the coming months when, they heard, when those words rolled through their mind. Take up your cross. Because what they saw was Jesus who was sinless, who did not do any wrong, did not deserve a criminal's death, but he paid the penalty for their sin is what he told them. And so he saw the cross and he picked up their sin and their pain. And then he watched him carry that up the hill and ultimately die on that cross. And then three days later, he rose just like he said he would. And I want to tell you, if a dead man rises from the grave... You listen to what he said. That's the reality. That's what happened to them. 
And so what they began to realize, what he was talking about and what they saw him do was he strained to carry our pain. And so this idea began to shape them as they realized that Jesus strained to carry their pain. It wasn't his pain that he carried up that hill. It was their pain. And so as we think about what this began to mean to them, it also begins to help us understand the influence that Jesus had by these words after the resurrection and after the gift of the Holy Spirit came on believers. And I believe there's two things that we can learn, and this is how Jesus has had influence through the centuries. The first is this, is we must die to live. Remember, that's what Jesus said in those verses, is to save your life, you must lose it. But when you lose your life for him, you actually gain it, the life that's truly life. And so this is like, doesn't really make sense. You have to die to live. But the Apostle Paul knew this was true, and he said it this way. He said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now this idea that you have to die to live has been one of the reasons that Christians have done amazing things because of Jesus' influence throughout the centuries. And I got to actually see this when me and a team here from Pathway went to Ghana on a trip this February to work with our missionary partners there. This is a picture of our team, and in the orange shirt is a man named Sylvester. Now, Sylvester is the schoolmaster there in the village in Ghana where we served, and Sylvester is an amazing man. And so Sylvester and his wife got this idea that they need to start Christian schools in a country and in an area where 95% of the people are Muslim. Sounds like a weird idea, doesn't it? But they got this idea, and so what happened was they started one school, and now what is behind us in that picture is the school that Pathway has partnered with the village to build that will have 300 children in it soon, going to school and learning about Jesus and learning to read and learning about math and all those things they need to learn to be successful. And so I asked Sylvester, I said, was this always your dream? And he said, heck no. It wasn't his dream. What he wanted to do was he wanted to be a business owner and he wanted to be successful, take care of his family and have all the things that he didn't have growing up. That's what he wanted. But one day, he drove by an abandoned chicken farm, and he looked at the abandoned chicken houses, and then he saw the children playing out there, and he thought, those kids need to be in school. And so, in that moment, he died to himself. He died to his dream, and him and his wife started a school in the chicken farm, and it is called the chicken school to this day. And then they started another school. And so now a 1,000 children in villages in Ghana are going to school and learning about Jesus because Sylvester died to himself and became alive in Christ. 
grabbed hold of his, not his dream, but Christ's dream. The second thing that I think we can learn from the passage that is even more powerful, and for us cushy, comfy Americans, I'm just going to be honest, this is a, this is a difficult one. As believers began to understand that just as he strained for our pain, pain that wasn't his, is that we strain to carry pain. So for followers of Jesus throughout the centuries, they would look around and they would see pain around them. And they would think of Jesus. They would think of him carrying the cross, not carrying his own pain, but carrying someone else's pain. And so followers of Jesus began to believe that when you see pain that's not your own, you're supposed to go carry it just like Jesus did. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. You see how powerful it is, like the law of Christ becomes alive as we carry one another's burdens. You know, the reality for all of us is you can think of a moment, if you're like me, if we're real honest, that where I've seen pain and I thought, I've got a lot of stuff to do. I've got my own things, and honestly, I don't need more pain in my life, and I've walked away. But the truth of what Jesus is saying is when we see pain, we strain to carry pain. And so we walk towards the pain and we carry it for others. You know, over the past five weeks, I've probably witnessed more pain than I've ever seen in my life before. And it's happened to this family that I'm going to introduce you to. This is Aaron and Kim Tobias, and Aaron is in the back there in this picture, and Kim is right in front of him, kind of in the purple, and then that is their children. Morgan is on the left, Caleb is in the center, and then that is their foreign exchange student, Dietrich, who is on the right. Now, Aaron was over in Germany for work, and he got a call one morning that Kim and the three kids were in a very serious car accident. And so Kim, Caleb, they were in serious, serious condition on the way to the hospital. And Morgan and Dietrich were also in very difficult situation on the way to the hospital. In fact, Caleb coded on the way. And so we're grateful that they all survived. But when I talked to Aaron on the phone, I heard pain just deep pain. And over the next five weeks, what's kind of transpired is Morgan and Dietrich, Morgan got out of the hospital first, and we're so grateful that she's doing well. Dietrich, it took about a week for him to get out of the hospital, but Kim was really injured in many ways, lots of broken bones. And so it took her longer, and then she went to rehab, and now she's at home, but she's still in a lot of pain. And so I'd encourage you to pray for her, pray for healing for her. And Caleb, right at this moment, is still in the PICU unit. And it has been a hard five weeks where we thought we were going to lose him. And I want you to think of just the pain of a dad, the pain of a dad and his family being split up at two hospitals. And it's interesting which hospitals were they at? 
via Christie and Wesley. And so what do we as believers do? As followers of Jesus, we strain to carry pain. And so it was incredible to watch that happen. Aaron couldn't be in two places. And so what happened was believers, followers of Jesus from all sorts of churches, from Pathway, all over the community, from his workplace, flooded the waiting rooms and began to pray for them. And were places where he couldn't be in two, we were there. Supported the grandparents as they tried to care and struggle with their own pain. And for all of us, we know the Christian response to crisis is what? Food. We are really afraid when a crisis comes, we're going to starve to death. And so the food began to flow, I'm telling you. And if you wonder if I look a little chubbier up here today, it's because I've been helping, all right? But it's amazing to see people respond. People have been generous to them in so many different ways. And some of the most amazing things have happened. There's been a, a group of people who have rotated staying the night in the PICU unit in a really, really bad recliner just so that Aaron wouldn't have to stay by himself. And Aaron told me this at lunch one day. He said, it has been the most painful thing that I could ever imagine in my life. But the people around me have carried me. You see, we strain to carry pain. And when we do that and we look at the world, God's grace and his love floods the earth when believers strain to carry pain. And it's the legacy of Jesus that we continue to carry forward. It's what he's called us to do. And so today, that's the question. Are we willing to strain to carry pain? Because that's what transforms the world. And throughout the centuries, that is what has transformed the world because when believers have seen pain, they know that they strain to carry that pain. And so today, as we close, we're going to do a little business with God where we think about that. And we commit to carrying pain for others, not our pain. The pain of others in this world. And today, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus who carried your pain. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you, Lord, for today where we can look back through the centuries and see the influence of Jesus and how Jesus has shaped our world. We understand that his followers, after he rose from the grave and after the gift of the Holy Spirit, that they put his words and his influence into action in this world, and it has shaped everything around us. God, we are so grateful for that. God, when we think about that Jesus put the pain of the entire world on his shoulders, that he strained for our pain, God, we pray that as followers of Jesus today, that we would do that for others around us. And so for every person that is hearing this message today, I want you to think about a person around you that is in pain. And I want you to think about this week being a different week where you carry the legacy of Jesus forward, where you put their pain on your shoulders and you strain to carry their pain. 
And so today, if you are willing to be a pain carrier today, I just want you to commit to God to doing that. And so if you're willing to do that this week, I want you to raise your hand as a sign to God that you are willing to carry pain this week. Wow. Lots of pain carriers in in this room and at all of our campuses. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you, God, for just your body of believers who are willing to carry pain. God, we pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, we know that we have the strength to do it. And God, I pray that we'd have the courage to walk into others' pain and to carry the burden. God, we thank you today for the opportunity that we have to come to you and recognize that Jesus carried our pain. Today, I know in this room that there's some that they have never responded to Jesus. They've never responded to the truth that he carried their pain, their sin, their shame and their guilt up that hill and ultimately paid the penalty for them, the load that they could not bear. And today, now, you can have the life that is truly life that is only found in Jesus because of what he has done. And so today, if you would like to accept Jesus to be the leader and the savior of your life, I just want to invite you to pray this simple prayer with me in the quietness of your heart. Father, I know that I have carried the weight of my own sin and my own shame and my guilt around for far too long. But today, Jesus, I accept you to be the leader and the savior of my life. And I acknowledge that you carried that weight that I could not carry. And so today, Jesus, I choose to let go of my sin and shame and guilt. And I choose to grab hold of the grace and the forgiveness that you offer to me today. Jesus, I choose to follow you. Now, with everybody's head still bowed and eyes still closed, I just want to challenge you. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I just want to give you an opportunity to declare that to God by simply raising your hand and so that I can pray for you. Raise your hand right now if you prayed that prayer for the first time. Awesome, lots of hands. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for those who have accepted you for the very first time. God, we thank you that you carried the weight that we could not carry and that you strained for our pain. And now, God, we can live a new life because of that. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we've had today to understand the influence of Jesus. And we pray all of this in Jesus' blessed name. Amen.